In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. My mission statement's already a part of me. It's part of my desires, my passions, the quotes I've memorized, the verses that I've memorized, the, the people I love and why I love them. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with my man, Dale Culver. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, Jim. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, now start singing a song. Hey, uh, what do you got a uh, man law for me? I do. Uh, this one is really good. Uh, this is your last couple sucked, so I'm glad this is really good. <laughs> so last night, my son came to me and brought me the wooden coin that I bought after we did the episodes with Todd Wilson from episode 380, and that one was. Uh, when your kids come to you and ask you to do something with them... Just say sure. Just say sure, right? That was so good. I, so, and smile at your kids. Smile. My, my rule here is just say sure, but be available to your kids. He came up to me. I'm working. I'm busy. I got stuff going on. And he comes up, and he looks me in the eyes with puppy dog eyes and holds the little coin out and says, Dad, I get a free hour with you. And I went, okay, son. And I went to his room. We got underneath the big tent he built in his room, and we watch RV and shows. <laughs> oh, that kid is classic. <laughs> Milking it for all it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciated Todd's uh, comment to smile at your kids, especially the ones that you're not liking at the time or the ones that are pissing you off. That's really good because I think sometimes my face articulates to people, I don't like you. Uh, Og Mandino wrote a book called The Greatest Salesman in the World. It's one of my top 10 all-time favorite books. It's a little short book, about 100 pages long. And uh, I just, I'm reading it right now, actually. And he talks about when you look at somebody, when, you're, when they're talking to you in your head saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, to change your facial expression. Mm. I thought that was really good. That was good. So wow. uh, I've done that with you a few times. Could you sense it? Could you yeah, feel my love? I, yeah, I'm looking Can away. Can you feel the love? I'm just going to look outside. <laughs> 
It's creepy. Oh, don't, don't, don't. Look, I. Anyway, um, hey, I just quoted Karate Kid. I'm quoting all sorts of things, man. Look, I'm, on, I. I'm on fire right now, man. Uh, hey, I, I want to go back and, and reflect on our Dan Mears podcast. We recently had Dan as the KC Wolf for the Kansas City Chiefs. Had a great podcast with him. Uh, in that podcast, we started talking about you know, knowing your mission in life and, and knowing, uh, you know, your spiritual shape. And I thought, you know what, I really need to go back. We did this, uh, about two years ago, but our audience has changed so much. You know, last year we, we, gosh, we reached men in 122 nations and things are really uh, doing well for us. And we're really excited about where God has taken us, but I want to go back and just do a refresher because I think that guys need to answer two questions in life. I think the two most important questions. If a man can articulate the answer to those questions, they are going to propel a man to his best version. They are game changers. Mm -hmm. And so I want to deal with those two questions, and I want to just dive headlong into this. I just think it's so important. And guys, if you want a reference, I would first encourage you, every American man should buy the book Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And this is a, a book where he addresses uh, this concept of who you are as a man. Uh, the subtitle of this book is What on Earth Am I Here For? Another book that Rick Warren actually wrote the f- uh, forward for, for, for is a book by Eric Reese, E-R-I-K-R-E-E-S. So E-R-I-K-R-E-E-S. And this book is just called Shape for Finding and Fulfilling Your Unique Purpose in Life. So I want to address the first question that I think is the most important question, and then I'll address the second most important question. I want to start with a story. There's this guy. He's lying in bed on a Sunday morning. His wife comes in to wake him up with a hot cup of coffee, and he says, I don't want to get up. She goes, you need to get up, honey. We got to go to church. He goes, I don't want to go to church today. And she goes, you're going to church. He goes, listen, the music is boring. I don't like the people, the sermons are way too long, and the church never gets out on time. Give me a good reason why I need to go to church. She said, I'll give you two good reasons. First, you are a 42-year-old man. Second, you're the pastor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this guy was a little bit concerned about his purpose, right? He wasn't 100% sure. And so the most important question, guys, you can ask is this, who am I? You are not defined for your, by your job. Who you, What you do does not define who you are. Who are you? Now, I know guys are going to go, I'm a child of God. I'm the son of the king. I'm an heir of the kingdom. All the Christian cliches. Those are what I call general answers. Yes, you are a son of the king. Yes, you are a child of God. Yes, you are a servant of the Savior. I mean, throw all of those Christian cliches. Yes, you are saved. Yes, you are redeemed. Yes, you are loved. Yes, you are created. All of those are true. But who are you, bro? I mean, Dale, what makes you different than me? You and I, all the things I listed are true for both of us. But how are you different than me? How are you unique? When God made you, the Bible says that God hung the stars and calls them by name. In other words, every star is different to God. Every every person is different to God as well. He created us. He broke the mold. There are no two alike. So how are we unique in this 
kingdom drama that God has created. Eric Reese, his subtitle is Finding and Fulfilling Your Unique Purpose for Life. So I want to walk through the process of discovering your unique gifts. You and I love the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4, where God comes to him in burning bush, says, take your shoes off, approach, this is holy ground, and they go through this dialogue where God is convincing Moses to go back to Egypt. Remember, he had fleed from there 40 years earlier after killing an Egyptian. Moses is an 80-year-old man, and he's trying to convince Moses to go, go back and free the Hebrews. And Moses is going through an excuse, an excuse, an excuse, an excuse. Finally, God, it, 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 when I read it, I had to laugh. It sounds like God, mm-hmm. frustrated, says to Moses, what's in your hand? Mm-hmm. And Moses goes, uh, I'm a shepherd, a staff, hello. Throw it on the ground, and it turns into a snake. And from that point on, that rod was now known as the rod of power, right? And so God asks the same question for us, guys. What's in your hand? So when I look at my hand, I see, for most of us, I see five fingers, right? Some guys got a couple of, my buddy Buzz is missing half of one of his, but, you know, I see five fingers. So there are five things that make up a man, make him unique in this world, man or a woman. In his book by Eric Reese, he calls it shape. Those five things represent, each represent a letter on my hand, S-H-A-P-E. What shape are you in? What is your unique spiritual shape, as as uh, Rick Warren uh, talked about in his book. So I want to I want to walk through this with you guys because I think that we are confused about our shape. In fact, I know if you're a young guy listening, I know our young guys are confused. Eighty percent of college students change their major at least once. Colton's changed his. All my kids change their major at least once, except for maybe Darby. He's Mister Stable. <laughs> On average, college students change their major three times over the course of their college career. And Jeff Neal of New York Center a Career Counselor said this, Based on my experience, I believe the typical person has six to seven careers during a lifetime, and the number is growing. I've been fortunate. I've had one career because I know my unique shape. I was uniquely called of God, and I've been in ministry my entire adult life. And so... I don't have a retirement plan. I mean, I do. I invest in retirement, but I plan on doing this forever because I'm living according to my purpose. I feel like I'm a man who really understands that, and my history would play that out. Would you agree? I would agree. So, And I, I would say yours as well. And so the bottom line is I want to build my life. Men, we need to build our life. We want to become our best version based on who we are and not what we do. So for the goal of my life is that I refuse to choose a life path based on outside factors such as money, security, fame, and success. My kids are always teasing me, you aren't motivated by money. No, I'm motivated by mission. So today, guys, I want to help you to find your sweet spot when it comes to who you are. So we must answer the most important question. Who am I? Secondary question to that first question is, what is in my hand? What is my spiritual shape? So I want to I pass this on to you. I want to walk you uh, through uh, these processes to help you to understand who you are as a unique man who's trying to become your best version in Christ. All right? Joe Lewis, the brown bomber, uh, he lived from night. He he was a world heavyweight champion from 1937 to 1949. Said this: 
We're only given one life to live, but if we do it right, once is enough. And so, guys, you have no do-overs. So whether you're 20, listen to this, 40, listen to this, or 70, listen to this. First of all, if you're 70, congratulations that you figured out how to use the podcast. (laughs) But if you're that guy, there are no do-overs. The goal today is to get you to a point and point you in the right direction so that you can become your best version. So I want to walk you through these five things. There are tons of resources online to take the assessments to help you understand and rank yourself in these five areas, okay? The first one is this. What are your spiritual gifts? So the S is spiritual gifts. When you decided to follow Jesus, he threw a party and he gave you spiritual gifts. Now, those gifts may be underdeveloped. They may be things that you're working through right now. Like for me, the speaking thing, I was a horrible speaker when God called me to speak. In fact, God distinctly called me to preach. I remember the distinct moment I was walking, praying at night. I can tell you exactly where I was in Morro Bay. God took me to a verse I couldn't find for 20 years after that, hmm. Psalm 45.2, where it says, I've anointed your lips. So, I, And I argued with God. I did the Moses thing with God, the exact I did the exact thing with Moses that I did Moses did with God. I can't speak, I stutter, I'm horrible. And you know, Moses down the road and Paul I think in Acts 20:24 20, somewhere in there said that Moses was was an, a powerful communicator. And so as I wrestled with God, God unpacked this and I was horrible for years and still and it grew and grew and grew and I'm actually getting ready to go to Alabama <laughs> in about a month and I'm doing four different messages. I'm yeah. doing one to a uh, I'm doing one at a church on Sunday. I'm doing two to two, two different men's groups, and the third one I'm doing to businessmen. So I'm doing three different types of messages in four days to four different groups. So, uh, so God is using that component of our life, and it's all His glory because God gave me gifts and has poured into those gifts. So, guys, what are your spiritual gifts? These are different than your skills. What are your spiritual gifts? Uh, for example, here's one for me. I decided as a youth pastor, Dale, that I was going to learn how to play the guitar. Man, I got a real nice guitar. I practiced and practiced and practiced. And uh, our church, we had a church about 450 at the time, and we had a staff appreciation night where we had the whole church come in for a big dinner, and it was a talent show. Well, if you're the worship leader, he could do music. Our our pastor was a magician, so he did magic. Everybody on the staff had a skill. But I was like, gosh, I can kill things, and I can hit things really hard, and I can lift heavy weights. There's nothing that I can do here. I've got no skills. I thought, you know what? I'm going to sing the guitar. I'm going to sing a song with a guitar. I'm not going to sing the guitar. I'm going to make that guitar sing, baby. (laughs) So I learned a song that one of my youth group kids had written, and it had only a couple chords, D, D, C, and E, or just some real simple chords. G, 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 D, and C or something, or A. Anyway, it was super simple. And I and the night came for the dinner, and I was feeling really confident. And we're having dinner, and at the table, I started getting nervous, and I started to lose my voice. It was a total nervous thing. By the time I got up on the stage, I, I had almost completely lost my voice. I do have a fairly good singing voice, but it was gone. And I got nervous, and I couldn't do chord changes. I sang. It was so embarrassing, Dale. It was one of the most <laughs> embarrassing days of my life. At the end of the night, the pastor who was our guest speaker came up to me and said, hey, man, God is going to use you mightily. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I've never seen anybody purposefully 
humiliate themselves like you did. <laughs> God's going to use you, brother. And I, and I, it was the day I realized that God has not given me the gift of, uh, the, of music. I, I just that's just not me. So I, he didn't give me that spiritual gifts. I know another kid in my youth group who got saved. He was a left-handed guitar player, left-handed kid, and he's like, I want to learn how to play the guitar. He picked up a guitar. It was a right-handed guitar, and within months, he learned how to play it perfectly upside down. That's mm-hmm. a gifted musician. So what are your gifts? If you go, you can go online and you can take, there's a million spiritual gifts tests. If you cannot find anything that suits your needs, only if you cannot find something online, send us an email, info at manlyarena.org. We'll send you our test. But honestly, there are tons of spiritual gifts tests out there based on your denomination. You could probably email your pastor and he would check it out and hand it to you and you're off and running. So S, spiritual gifts. H, what is your heart? In other words, what is your passion? What is my heart? What is my heart saying? You know, what, 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 I mean, Dale, you like to talk about getting wrecked. What wrecks you? What gives you your Popeye moment for the old guys, right? That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. What are the things that you absolutely are passionate about? What are those things? Some guys are like hunting. Some are like golfing or sex traff, you know, stopping sex trafficking or the homeless or fixing cars or I mean we all have various passions, right? Write those down. Those could be used by God to glorify his kingdom. So what are your passions? What makes you sing? What makes you cry? What makes you angry? What uh, John Eldridge would ask, what makes you come alive? So these are the things that would be your passion. So S is spiritual gifts. H is heart or passion. Do you have any comments so far, Dale? Questions or comments? No, I, I'm good. All right. Am I communicating this clearly? I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't want to be there this morning after I had a cup of coffee to see what I was laying down this morning, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, okay. So, and then next one, your third one is A, what are my natural abilities? So I spoke at a men's event in 2012. You're still going. I can't believe he talked about laying that down. Anyway, uh, I know sometimes it just pops out of my sanguine mouth, and I go, why did I just say that? It's embarrassing. And not appropriate. Wow. I was speaking at a men's event to Hatchby, California in 2012 with ex-NFL quarterback and and Major League Baseball player Jay Schrader. Jay was the quarterback who took the Redskins to a championship, Super Bowl championship. He got injured and, and didn't go all the way. Doug Williams became the quarterback that led them to a victory over the Denver Broncos. But Jay tells a story how in 1980 he was... Uh, it was Monday Night Football. Ronald Reagan was president, and they were playing the New York Giants. And many of you guys, if you're old enough to be watching TV back then, remember the, when L- LT, Lawrence Taylor, came from the backside and hit Joe Theismann low and broke his broke his leg in half, and you could see his tibula flopping around loosely. It was gruesome. And Jay Schrader was actually the backup quarterback. And Jay shares the story that it was 22 minutes before they got Joe off the field, which was a good thing because Joe Jay had no idea where his helmet was. So he goes on the field. He goes out on the field, and and the, the O linemen, the Hogs, they were called the Hogs back then. That that huge line they had, they were all going, "Oh, this blonde kid from UCLA. Oh man, we're in trouble. 
uh, uh, what was the fullback's name? John Riggins was cussing in the huddle. You know, this we're in trouble now. Well, two touch, two passes later, he throws a touchdown to Art Monk. Well, anyway, that just changed everything. Well, he could chuck the, he could throw the football. When he was with the Toronto Blue Jay organization, as a catcher, he would bet the opposing team before the game that he could throw a baseball from home plate over the center field fence. That's 400 feet. 400 feet. That's a lot. So Jay, as he spoke, he had a Super Bowl ring on his finger, and he said, you know what, guys? God gives us all different abilities. I throw things far. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, you suck, Jay. That's all you can do is throw things far? <laughs> but, but I mean, God used that mightily for him, right? He can throw things far. Surely, man, you have abilities. What can you do? You can encourage people with a smile. Maybe you're a hugger. Maybe you can fix things. I don't know what you can do, but what are your natural or learned abilities that you're good at, right? I mean, five years ago, Dale, I would have said, I think you would agree, you are not a, you do not have the podcasting ability. Right. But now you're coaching guys all over the country how to start a podcast. So you have a learned skill, right? I do. So you're welcome for that. Thank you. So, that's, so we have spiritual gifts. We have heart. We have abilities. The next one is personality type. So there are a lot of personality assessments out. The Enneagram is really popular right now. Uh, we have the DISC personality type. We have Myers-Briggs. My favorite is Florence Littower's Personality Plus. Bar none, far and away. It's easy to communicate. It's easy to articulate. It's easy to take the test. It's based on science. In fact, it goes back to four, about 400 B.C. with Hippocrates, he developed this uh, theory believing that certain human moods, emotions, and behaviors were caused by bo the body fluids levels, blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. Tim LaHaye later wrote a book called Spirit-Controlled Temperament, where he dealt with the same thing. Uh, these four temperamental categories Galen named sanguine, choleric, melancholic, and phlegmatic Later, these temperaments were given animal names, otter, beaver, golden retriever, and lion. All right? So adjectives to describe these personalities would be the popular, sanguine, or the otter, the perfect, melancholy, or beaver, the peaceful, phlegmatic, or golden retriever, and the, which is you. Really? Yeah, partly. You're partly <laughs> that. And the powerful choleric or lion. And so in this personality, they've de described these four personality types, sanguine, choleric, melancholy, or phlegmatic. You can get uh, Florence Littower's Personality Plus book. It's an outstanding way for you to understand who you are and understand other people as well. Uh, the bottom line is, what is your personality? You, are an, you and I are both extroverts, right? Right. Maybe somebody's an introvert. You know, so what is your personality type? We need to understand, are we an extrovert, are we an introvert, and then are we an, a sanguine, a phlegmatic, a melancholic, uh, a choleric, or if we take the DISC test, you know, my high D, high I, high S, high, high C, if we're an Enneagram, at what number on the Enneagram chart are we? We need to understand our personality. Who are we? That's so important, and it's so easy, Dale, today to find your personality out and discover who you are, and, it, and most of these tests are free. So I want to encourage you guys to do that. So that's your personality. And the last one is this. What experiences comprise your history? 
You know, uh, I love the, the quote, God takes your mess and turns it into your message. I love the Bible verse, Romans 8, 28, for God works all things to the good for those who are called according to his purpose, right? So I, those things tell me that, you know, I've also uh, Celebrate Recovery, which comes out of Rick Warren's church, Saddleback Church down in Southern California. They say that that God never wastes a hurt. Mm-hmm. So all of these experiences in our life, they, they come to a point where we need to find healing and then give back to others for that thing. Does that so so guys, what is in your hand? We're t- we've tried to answer the question this morning, who am I? How am I unique as a man? And the way we discover our uniqueness is through those five things, our spiritual gifts, our heart, which is our passion, our abilities, which is our talents, our personality, which is our temperament, and in our experiences, which is our history. So guys, go through those five things. It'll be life-changing when you discover who you are. So once you've answered the first question, who am I? In other words, what is my spiritual shape? What is What are my spiritual gifts? What is my heart or passion? What are my abilities or learned skills? What is my personality or temperament type? What are my experiences? Uh, you know, what hurts? What mess do I have that God will turn into my message? Once we've answered those five statements that form the acrostic shape, we have essentially answered the first question, which is, who am I? Those should help us determine who we are and how we are unique from this world. Again, now remember, we don't want a bunch of vanilla humans. We are different. We're all different colors. We're different shapes. We're different sizes. We're, we're, we're born and raised in different time periods, different generations, different centuries, ge- different de- geographic locations. And so what unique gift are we to this world? Who am I? So now here's a question I get from Christians all the time. When I say, who am I? I get this stuff. I am loved. I am a child of God. I am a robot. I am a a father, a sister. I am a Christian cliche waiting to happen. God is in control. So I get these generic vanilla Christian answers. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir to the kingdom. I am loved. I am saved. All of these things, and they're all true, and they're all wonderful, and they're all beautiful. The problem is they're generic, and they're general. What we're talking about is how are you unique? So when I answer the question, who am I? We're answering the question, how am I unique from all their people? And your spiritual shape acrostic should answer those questions. Okay, have I been clear on that, Dale? Do you think I need to keep going? I'm pretty clear. Okay, thanks, buddy. Okay, so now we're going to move into the second most important question. And this is where Christians get stuck. Dale, I was in a coffee shop doing a Bible study with a bunch of dudes. At the time, we had guys from 74 years old all the way down to 19. And I asked this question, who are you and why are you here? And I had a 74-year-old man say, I've been a Christian all my life and I have no idea why I'm here. And to me, that was tragic. In other words, what is your purpose? Why did God 
put you on this planet. You know, one of my life verses is Psalm 20, verse 4, New American Standard. May he give you your heart's desire and fulfill your purpose. So God does not need me. God does not need me. God has made me, and God loves me, and because he loves me, he's created me for a specific purpose that I can offer up as a gift to my world. He doesn't need me for that, but he includes me in his goodness. He includes me. He gives me a remission. He gives me a reason to live, which men need a hill to die on. We have to have a purpose or mission in life. In fact, it's really interesting, Dale. Women form relationships for the sake of a relationship and connection. Men aren't like that. When men form a relationship, there is almost always a purpose behind it, besides the fact that maybe I'm related to somebody. But men rally around a mission or a purpose. I've had men come in and out of my life, and when they left my life, generally speaking, it was not because we don't like each other or we're not friends anymore. It was because we aren't sharing in that common mission, whether it be hunting or biking or ministry or coaching. Does that make sense? Or you moved. Or I moved. (laughs) And when you move away and you lose that connectedness via mission, it really impacts men deeply. And so Mm -hmm. when when I talk about men and I say, hey, why are you here? In other words, what is the mission? What is the assignment that God has for you? Now, that, that mission, that assignment may specifically change, but the general components of it may remain the same. What I did when I was about 30 years old, I formed a mission statement. I wanted to look at my life and I want to say, okay, who is Jim Ramos and why is Jim Ramos here? What is the purpose of my life? What statement can be my compass? What what can I offer to the world and know that it's going to be my offering to the world and not some offering I have plagiarized from someone else? And so I developed a mission statement, and that mission statement has guided me since 1997. That's longer than some of you guys have been alive. <laughs> Here is what a mission statement is. I believe this is a mission statement. A mission statement to me, this, I'm, this is all stuff I've made up, man. I haven't read this in a book. This is stuff I'm just sharing from my heart and experiences. A mission statement is a dynamic strategy that captures your best understanding of the unique God-given contribution to the world during my short stay on earth. It's, it's my mission during my short stay. It's my contribution to this universe. It is a tapestry of all the things that I love and have experienced wrapped into one statement under 50 words. In other words, Dale, I don't have to pull my mission statement out of thin air. My mission statement's already a part of me. It's a part of my desires, my passions, the quotes I've memorized, the verses that I've memorized, the the people I love and why I love them, the songs I love and why I love them, the poems I love and why I love them. It's an encapsulation of all these things spit onto a piece of paper. So I don't have to pull anything out of the air. A lot of times people will craft a mission statement and they'll try to create something they're not. And So like for you example, if you were to craft a mission statement and you were going to say something like, I want to be an intellectual fitness trainer. <laughs> I'd be hey, like, I could do that. I'm like, dude, you are a relational coffee drinker. I mean, you you know, your your mission statement is so a part of you. I could probably write your mission statement for you. Thanks. But if you tried to pull something out of the air, it would be disastrous. 
because you could never be somebody else and somebody else could never be you. I mean, there are qualities about you that I envy. I envy your loyalty. I envy your, I envy your relational capacity. I envy uh, your dependability. Some of those things I possess, many of them I don't. And so do I try to become that? Well, I want to grow because of my relationship with you, but I'm going to be who I am. And I want to be the best version of that guy. I don't want to be the best version of you. <laughs> it's hard enough for you to do it, let alone yeah. me try to copy you. So, when, so here's what else I know about mission statement. My mission statement provides a vehicle for prayer and a pathway to the many blessings and tragedies in my life. I pray over my mission statement constantly. It is a compass. It is a visual reminder of why I exist on this planet, region, and unique time in history. A personal mission state provides my vision, direction, and reasons to say no to the good things in life so I can say yes to the great things. It really focuses me down, and I think you would agree that I'm a guy who knows who I am, and I'm very, very willing to get people around me to help me where I'm not good mm-hmm. and to say no to the things that I shouldn't say. Yes, that I said should say no to. My mission statement helps me stay on track during times of stress and testing. It provides the decision-making grid to navigate. It points out areas where intentional growth and mentoring are needed to achieve the most impact. And it serves as a personal call to arms, helping me stay mission-minded amidst the plethora of daily distractions. All right. And I firmly believe in Psalm 24, like I said earlier, that God may he grant our heart's desire and fulfill our purpose. So my personal mission statement, I have... Since 1997, that mission statement has remained virtually the same, except for a few words and tweaks here and there. Right now, as I stand, that mission statement is 44 words, and here it is. To glorify God with my spiritual shape, letting him mold me through humility into his image, loving my family through honor, living every day to the fullest with courageous abandon, leading others with grace, and leaving a legacy through writing, speaking, and changed lives. Every word in that mission statement matters. The order of the phrases matters. The adjectives matter. Everything about this, the verb tenses matter. Everything about this has has been whittled down and pruned to a fine point. And that is my mission statement. So I want to I want to walk guys through this. So guys are driving home right now. They're going, "Okay, that's great. How do you do it?" It's very very simple. <laughs> And very, very hard. I'm going to give you five simple words for you to remember and five difficult steps. The steps and the words are the same thing. The words are simple because they're easy to memorize, and the steps are difficult because you actually have to take time to do them. So we're going to take these five steps. We're going to break them down in this way, Dale. One month, one week, one day. One hour, one minute. So if guys can just do that, they're going to have a beautiful mission statement. That mission statement is going to take one month, then one week, then one day, then one hour, then one minute. Okay, guys, you ready? Here we go. Again, we're going we're going back to this premise. This is the underlying premise of your mission statement. It is already a part of who you are. You do not need to make this crap up. It is already part of you, so don't try to become something different. You don't have to pull out, pull it out of thin air or pour, pull a spiritual rabbit out of your hat. In Jesus, you are all that you need 
to be your best version, and you possess all you have to understand your mission. And that is why I believe firmly in what St. Augustine said in like 350 AD, love God and do as you wish. Because if we completely are sold out to him, we will fulfill our purpose as our best version. So here's step one, guys. And I want you to take one month to do this. So we're Right now, we're in early February. So from early February to early March, here's your word. The word is brainstorm. I want you to brainstorm your shape your shape that you learned earlier, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. Brainstorm where you are there. I want you to take and write down four to six, what I call big rocks or core values in your life. What are your core values? In my mission statement, it's pretty easy, Right. Loving God, loving my family, loving my life, loving others, and lo- and leaving a legacy, right? So these kind of five or six things, what are the five or six core values that drive you? What are the life verses uh, that you love? What are the quotes that you love? What are the inspirational moments in your life? What are the, well, the songs that you love? Like Dale loves, loves, uh, what's that song you love? <laughs> Damn it. I the Rose? <laughs> Oh, Dale, Dale loves that song by Air Supply. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. So, Dale, you can. I could do that. You could write that into your song, right? Uh, what was the one about the Cherry Mama? What was the one you, sing, you, song, you used to sing to your wife? Sweet Cherry. What was it? Oh, ch- Cherry Pie by Warrant? Peace by Cherry Pie. Hey, I, I just say. <laughs> And you called me on this one. The values, when you say, like, I value something, like I told you one time, I do value fitness. But you look at me and you go, you're a liar. You yeah. don't value fitness. That's really a good point. So when you're writing down your values, guy, these aren't dreams that you have. These are things you're actually or what you functioning. Do. Yeah, these aren't things you want to do. These are things that already are a part of you, right? So we need to make sure that you do that. If I, if I, said, if I said, hey, one of my values in life is music. That's just not true. It's just not, I love music, but I can't play it. I, you know, it's not true. So, okay. So guys, give yourself a month to let this simmer. This is really a crock pot moment for you. Write down everything in your life that really impacted you, uh, moments that inspired you, uh, things that people tell you about yourself. You know, what are the things, here's another thing you can do. What are the things that make you sing? What are the things that bring great joy to you? What are the things that emotionally wreck you? What are the things that stir up your passion? Are there any hills you would die on? Are there things you dream about? Are there things that cause your mind to soar? Or are there things on the flip side of that that cause you to cringe? Are there things that anger you? Are there things that you need to change? Are there things that you are there things that you want to change about the world? So I want you to take a month to brainstorm all of this and then put it onto a piece of paper in 200 words or less. It doesn't have to be in sentences. It doesn't have to flow. Just barf it onto the piece of paper. Imagine you're vomiting onto a piece of paper, and that's what you're doing. You're barfing up 200 words, and you're taking one month to do it. That word for that month is brainstorm. Okay, step two, word two. Where in step one, you took one month. In step two, we want you to take one week. The word here is categorize. Categorize. Take all of the stuff you regurgitated onto that piece of paper in step one 
and I want you to create four to six categories. So as you look at all of these things, you'll be able to sort them out. Okay, this would go over here, this would go over here. Sort them into four to six categories and transfer all of those things from step one onto a new list in step two. And I want you to name each category. I shared earlier, my in my mission statement that I shared earlier, uh, I have categories in five distinct areas, faith, family, full life, leadership, and legacy. Now, I know I told you, love God, love my family, love life, love others, and leave a legacy. It, you can formulate it however you want, but those are the areas that are really, really important to my mission, my faith, my family, having a full and abundant life in Jesus, leadership, and leaving a legacy and significance. And so in step two... After one week, I want you to whittle your 200 regurgitated words down to 70 words or less, okay? 70 words or less. That's step two. So step one, we gave you a month. Step two, we gave you a week. Step three, you have one day. One day, and you're going to transfer what you learned in your 70 words from step two when you categorized those four to six major components of your life. In step three, you're going to take one day and you're going to figure this whole thing out. And here's the word for step three. The word is paragraph. So step one, you barfed it onto the paper. On step two, you categorized everything. In step three, you're going to write a paragraph. You're going to do this in one day. Give yourself a day. Take you know a day off. Get away. Go somewhere and relax. And you're going to do this in 60 words or less. So you're going to take the 70 words from step two that are in categories. You're going to put them into a paragraph in step three. This is really important. And this is the most difficult step. At this step, I want to give you a couple helpful hints. Here they are. Make sure every word is significant. Delete redundancies, in other words, words that are implied or repeated. Make sure. So in other words, if I were to say, I want to live life to the fullest, that is a redundancy because if I'm living, that means I'm alive. So I don't need to live life. I would take the word life out. I want to live to the fullest. I don't want to live every day to the fullest because living every day is already implied, which is redundancy. So I would just say, I want to live to the fullest. Does that make sense? And so now, you may want to choose to include redundancies for emphasis. That's on you. But this is one way for you to reduce some of the word count in your mission statement. The next thing I would say is avoid superficial words that lack direction, substance, and punch. You don't need to use words like very or extremely. Use words that you can sink your teeth into them, that you can feel them, you can taste them, you can touch them, you can smell them. So avoid superficial words and then use instead use sensory words like I was saying. The last hint I would give you is make it easy to memorize. What you may notice in my mission statement is all of my categories start with the letter L. Let him mold me. Love my family. Live life. Lead others. Leave a leg. All L's. So you might want to use a, a certain letter. Uh, maybe your words are going to sound the same. I don't know what you're going to do, but do something so that you can memorize this statement. And now you're going to Create a flow out of your paragraph with 60 words or less. Once you do that, give yourself a day, 
you have just completed step three. Now, I want to say something right now. To, to, I know some of you personality types out there are like, this is garbage. I'm just going to knock this out in a day. Okay, well, you're an idiot, and you're going to have to do it again because I do everything twice because I do it wrong the first time. So don't be like me. Do it right the first time. Take the month. Take the week. Take the day. Step four, you have an hour, an hour to do this one word, and here's the word, sentence. So in step three, you built a 60-word paragraph. In step four, you're going to make it into a sentence. Now, your sentence may have a dash, it may have a semicolon, it may have a colon, but it's going to be one sentence. So when you follow the helpful hints in step three, you will whittle your mission into one grammatically correct sentence. One grammatically correct sentence. And this will not take as long, but it will be painful because in this step, you have to get rid of at least 10 words. And trust me, this is very, very painful. Once you have taken step four, you've honed your mission down to one sentence. Again, I want to say this, guys. Do not be afraid to change it, to add it, to subtract over time. Because over time, as your assignment changes, as different things change, you may change a word or a phrase. As you mature, you may realize that a word didn't fit quite the way you wanted it to. So feel free. You have permission to change this over time. My mission statement has been the same since 1997, but I have changed words and phrases and different things. Like my first part of my mission used to say to glorify God. And I added with my spiritual shape about five years ago, because to me that was so important to remember that there are five things that drive me, right? And so I, I added that just five years ago. So I also used to have in my mission statement, leaving a legacy through writing, speaking, and the salvation of souls. And this is going to sound horrible. I really don't care about the salvation of souls. I mean, I care about them, but I'm really passionate about changed lives. A changed life is a changed soul. And so I decided to change lives is more about why I'm on this planet. I'm not a, a person who's going out there reaping souls for the kingdom. I'm a person who is who God has assigned to change lives. So I changed that. So these are recent changes. So it's okay to change these things. So step five, step five, guys. We went step one, we gave you a month. In step two, we gave you a week. In step three, we gave you a day. In step four, we gave you an hour. And guess what, guys? Wait for it. Step five. We're going to give you a minute. So the key word in step one was brainstorm. Step two was categorize. Step three was paragraph. Step four was sentence. I think this is pretty good. That's amazing. This could be a great... Thank you for saying that. You <laughs> suck up. You're fired. So and in step five, the word in step five is... You know what the word is, Dale? You have one minute, and there's a word for step five. Guess what it is? Word. A word. <laughs> Period? It's the word memorize. Memorize? Once you get to step four <laughs> and your mission is down to 50 words or less, you are done with your mission. <laughs> In step five, I want you to memorize it. And I would even go a step further. I think you should pray over that mission statement regularly for the rest of your life, whether it be every day or every week. I have ebbed and flowed. I've gone seasons where I haven't prayed for it, but... 20-plus years later, I'm still praying over that mission statement. I just prayed over it two days ago. So constantly, and I set goals every year based on those five or six aspects of my mission statement. I set goals every year on those categories because those are what drive my life. So I set goals based on those areas. So guys, I hope this helps you as you sit down and you take a month and a week and a day and an hour and a minute, and as you 
brainstorm and as you categorize and as you write a paragraph and as you write a sentence and as you memorize, I hope this helps you to step into your best version as you answered the questions today. Who am I and why am I here? Dale, drive us home, brother. Yeah, guys, we want you to go on over to minintherena.org and get your free book for a very limited time. And also, we'd love to hear from you. If uh, you've been impacted by this podcast or any of the materials from Men in the Arena, we'd like you to shoot us out an email at info at org. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.